Boom. Eurovision. Boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom music. Boom, boom go NATO weapons. Boom, boom goes to Eurovision. <laughs> Indeed. Some techno song will go first. Just, just nothing but techno music these days. Like, I mean, it's like gone as the, as the, gone in the days of the more traditional, <gasps> bad word, <coughs> I remember traditional Eurovision Song Contest uh, entrance uh, and their music. Um, the last time I saw a, gu- a guitar on Eurovision was the the Irish winner, ninety six or so. Yeah, it was something about the oh, it was a song lamenting the loss of radio or something like that, the old radio days or something. You know, it was a kind of a lament. Rock it was and nice roll. and two lads on a guitar. Mm. Yeah, now it's tinny, noisy. Um, it was supposed to be in Ukraine. Tinny, noisy, campy. Oh, don't forget campy. I mean, well, campy has always been campy, but now no. it's freaky. No, freaky. It it's freaky. It's like who's the most mutilated person? It wasn't. Give al- them the award. It wasn't always campy. No, no. Okay, not but, always. But it became campy. But now it's way past. It that. got campier. Campy was fine. You know, you could laugh and join in the crack. But depends what you mean by campy, though. Well, when you've got mutilated people, it's covered in tats. Um, Mutilate tats, mutilation. What are you talking about, Neil? You're yeah. offending half our audience. Well, I mean, covered in them, like okay. The one last night. <clears throat> well, she, it's a she, I believe. It's a she. It is a, a woman. Um, this year, they gave it to a bisexual Swedish immigrant. That's you know, in going by recent years, that's not bad. That's that's pretty she straight, straight she down the middle. She doesn't have a beard. No, no, yeah. And the bisexual <coughs> part, she kind of made up in twenty seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, so she's married, I believe. So right. that could just so be her. You know, you have to mix in with her. You have to say that you, for you Eurovision. Know. Yeah. Maybe people who do people in America know what the Eurovision Song Contest is. Uh, they probably do at this point. There's an entry from like Australia and all sorts of places. At this point, it's it's, it's globalist vision. There's, yeah, there's no American. Uh, maybe not. So. Uh, you gave him an explainer last year. Go back and last. <laughs> go back and watch the show last year. I did. Was it a was it a good explainer? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. We're a bunch of the, a bunch of the campiest, queerest people from every European country gets together to see who's the best at singing. Kind of. Yeah. And it used to be strictly. It used to be strictly amateur. That was part right. of. It was kind of. I suppose it was the the forerunner to um, idols slash talent shows mm. that became ubiquitous in the last twenty years. Mm. And they had to be amateur. <coughs> it was their first time. And they went through a nomination process in their home country. Yeah. yeah voting. Yeah. That still happens, but it's all, it's all fabricated now. And although Zelensky wasn't allowed to show up at it. He wanted to show he up at it, but he wanted to give an address to the X number, 100 million people, to 160 million or whoever was going to watch it, that, that, to tell them, like, send more money, send more weapons. And then the Eurovision said, no, that's, you know, against our policy. Sort of, except we big up Ukraine throughout it anyway you know what I mean um, it was meant like you said it was meant to Ukraine won last year so the year yeah. the country that wins it then hosts it the following year yeah. it was meant to be held in Ukraine this year so you can see um, why he wanted his uh, he had a stake in it yeah I, I kind of uh, see where he's coming from but surprise surprise the um, the country that hosted it in Ukraine's stead was the Brits of course because they're Ukraine's uh, bestest, bestest friend forever. Yeah. And so, of course, they're going to host it. Um, 
for Ukraine, but it was held in Liverpool, and Liverpool was all just Ukrainified. The mm. city of Liverpool in, in the UK was Ukrainified for the competition, supposedly. Anyway, you can't believe much of what you hear these days. It's most normal people are just like whatever, you know. Um, but the interesting thing is that, uh, just as a segue into, uh, well, it's kind of a segue. Um, related to the two is what is how CNN covered. Well, they kind of covered, yeah, they covered the Eurovision Song Contest, but they also covered something that happened a couple of days ago, uh, which was uh, an explosion in uh, Turnipel. Turnipel. Uh, well, they grow a lot of turnips, I think. That's why it's called Turnipel. Um, so uh, in pretty far western Ukraine, it was a massive explosion. There and in another town not far away. Klemitsky. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the biggest one was... Uh, was in Ternopil in Western Ukraine, and it was um, pretty serious explosion. Um, quite clearly, an ammunition dump, and CNN recorded in this uh, reported on it on that explosion in this way: Russian missiles target home city of Ukrainian Eurovision contest contestant, contestant during contest. Right, that, that's that's as far as they that's that's that was. Oh, that's the sum of their reporting on that event, of which the the bomb or the Eurovision. No, on that on the on the on that attack, that okay. was it. It was only important because it was evidence of Russian skullduggery in clearly, according to CNN, deliberately targeting uh, this home city of one of the members. I think there were five or something Ukrainian entry in the Eurovision. There were five members of a band, and one of them happened to come from this city. In Western Ukraine, and because Russia's uh, Russia targeted that city, uh, and more specifically a massive NATO or weapons and military hardware, military equipment stockpile, CNN decided that they did that for that reason because it was his. Because <laughs> they don't even mention in the article that there was an ammunition. Uh, Much less that there were probably U.S. and U.K. supplied am. Well, Ammo of course, went up. No, you're not allowed to say that. So, um, yeah, it's it's such, yeah. it's not even journal. It's just, well, we all know it's it's a joke. At this rank, point, rank propaganda. But if we are going to, you know, culturally select our news in different ways, the entrant in for Ukraine that won last year was the guy was from the hometown, and it's a small town. It's not like a city. It is a town where Stepan Bandera was born. So. We should include that as well, yeah. But I mean, here's a, here's a video of the well. There's several videos of it. Here's one video of the actual explosion. There's closer up videos where people were closer to the actual explosion than it. But this is a, gives a good view from that's a the other city from a distance. No, this is the big one in Turnipal. No, he even says it there. He got it right. I checked. Oh, sorry, yeah, Kimenisk. Well. Okay, sorry, yeah. but they are close. They are right, close. They're both in Western Ukraine. So the biggest one was in Kimenisk, yeah, I think. I think the second one follows in this same shot. Or not. Maybe that was a separate, separate... Uh, there, oh, you there, it is. Okay, there you the go. Look at the shock so that was the biggest one, yeah. The, yeah, the, the second one might have been um, fuel because of the blast wave or something. People are um, speculating, we don't know. Well, that that's the one, and uh, there's other videos of that one... Uh, uh, Closer up, and you can hear all the ammunition mm. going off, like you know what I mean. So popping all over the place, um, secondary explosions all over the place. 
So it's the same shot from further away. Yeah, it's it's mad. I've got some videos too, but people people have probably seen them. Um, yeah, the interesting NATO weapons. Bye. Um, but yeah, well, the, the interesting thing about this, Scotty, can you just pull up a, a map of probably Google Maps would be good uh, of and go to Ukraine so you can just talk a little bit about um, where this actually happened and. Um, it was a heck of a week, actually. Those things happened yesterday morning, early early morning a.m. Yeah. Um, probably, I don't, probably trying to talk. We'll probably cover things out of sync, but the timings of different things are interesting. I'm not saying people have speculated that that was in response to what happened um, the day before Lugansk was bombed mm-hmm. on Friday. Um, Right. With cruise missiles. I put a question mark on my notes. I've since satisfied myself that both the Russians and the Brits are admitting that British missiles were involved in that. And mm-hmm. Lugansk is interesting because the city itself is way behind the line. It hasn't been attacked really mm-hmm. in, in a good while. Mm-hmm. Um, no one has talked about it. It's it's really twisted what happened there because the British reporting on it is that Lugansk was hit with two cruise missiles and that a Western military site was hit. The Telegraph specifically says a Russian supply depot and a military command center. The Telegraph report on it cites no one, gives no evidence for that. Well, the Russians have since taken photos and given descriptions which people can check for themselves on Google Maps. No, it was a home, a home goods store in the city center mm-hmm. and a food processing plant, mm-hmm. which they obliterated. Um, and then that was in one strike, and the second one was outside the city. Russians again showed video evidence and interviews with people. It's a residential street. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, okay. You've targeted military sites, and it doesn't appear that you have. Do you think that's the kind of thing is deliberate? I mean, if, if if as we know as a general rule, they are super selective about what they want to hit. Except they they didn't have any better better intel to 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 hit anything better, you know. And they have a lot of them, you know. Anyway, so tell them what you're talking about there. Well, uh, this is the... It's creepy, isn't it? The initials for this thing are the SS missile. Hmm. Uh, Storm Shadow. Totally gay name, but there you go. That's the British name of a long-range cruise missile. And long-range, now, relative... Um, it's It can hit up to 500 kilometers or so. That's but it. they say it's... The upper ceiling they've given the Ukrainians is like 200 or 180 or so kilometers. Mm -hmm. Hence, it could hit Lugansk Mm -hmm. further behind the battlefront line. Um, The the British Minister of Defense announced like Thursday, we are are going to give Ukraine these longer range. This is like the escalation uh, or the mission creep, as you, you said to me earlier, factor in this war. This is the next one up in terms of what it can do. It's air-to-air missile, so it will be fired from jets or choppers, probably just jets, I think. Um, and it has a range of up to, apparently, it's going to be fixed at 180, 190 kilometers. So any further now, the UKs would be able to hit Russia proper. So anyway, this grand announcement was made Thursday. And the next day, mm. and the announcement by Ben Wallace, Defence Minister of the UK, was... We're going to, i.e., down the road, you'll see the effects of this. But in less than 24 hours, there's evidence that 
these SS missiles were used in the attack on Lugansk city center, mm-hmm. which is an interesting little deception um, and something to keep in mind for all reporting you hear on the UK- Ukraine war, even the decent analysis people offer on podcasts and you know, the round-the-clock coverage they are giving. There's some great stuff, I know, but there's a whole lot of stuff where people are guessing. Mm-hmm. And this is a classic example of deception <coughs> working <coughs> against anyone trying to get a clear picture of what's going on. They made it sound like we're about to give it to them. Mm-hmm. That usually implies they have to receive them, so they have to be snuck into Ukraine, right, without the Russians hitting it or seeing it. Then they have to be trained on it to fire the damn thing or to know how to work with it. But no, within 24 hours, an actual operational execution of the damn things happens, mm-hmm. which means that all that other stuff took place months before. Mm-hmm. And the announcement was deceptive mm-hmm. in that they were kind of signaling, I guess, that it's already done and dusted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that kind of thing is probably going on all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like, remember all the stuff like about the Abrams tanks and the Challenger tanks that they're going to get with training, oh, and we're going to withhold some functions of these things. For example, we won't allow them to have mm-hmm. our beautiful Abrams tanks um, with a certain armor plating on it because if the Russians capture it, they can, oh, bullshit. These people, we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know what is actually going into Ukraine, when it went in. This is just all surface stuff. It's just, it's probably primarily intended to pull the Russians off. Mm-hmm. Because then they're like trying to track, trying to decipher what exactly they mean when they say going to deliver X in X quantity, in Y quantity. Mm -hmm. But in reality, they could have given them something actually better or worse, whatever, and much earlier, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, There's also a possibility that, um, you know, that there are actually NATO, British, English, whatever, or American um, personnel, military personnel, uh, who are, for example, in the case of the the, the, the Storm Shadow cruise missile uh, attacks, probably three or four of them, or something like that, hit Lugansk. As you were saying, they that they were that they were fired by NATO personnel, not by Ukrainians. Right. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. Which would bypass the need for for training. I mean, at what, and so at, what, at what point? How many years does this war have to go on for? How long, at what point do you, do you, do the Western powers with personnel in the country who know how to operate missile systems or whatever, like Patriot missile systems, air defense systems, particular artillery systems, particular you know uh, cruise missiles? At what point do they say, "Will will we actually get a bunch of Ukrainians over and spend three six months training to do it, or should we just put one of our guys in there and have him push the button?" What point? At what point do you decide to do that? You know what I mean? There's, at what point there's, there's evidence they already ra- have. At what point has it become rational to do that instead of spending all this time training a bunch of Ukrainians from scratch on technology that they're not familiar with yeah. when you have a, a, a large number of people who are from your own country who are familiar with it and, and can operate it? They're you know on mean? record as saying that such has taken place. But it's always, of course, when it's a Washington Post reveal or something, right. couching it in oh, it's just a few people. It's mm-hmm. always just a few... That may be the line of BS. Who knows? It, it, it's, it's, it's not a matter of concept. Is that what they might do at some point in the future? It's a, it's a matter of quantity. To right. what extent is that happening? Right. That's an unknown. 
Because then, you know, you do hear of counter-strikes. Either it's subtly alluded to by the Russians or there are reports on the ground that become mm -hmm. online chatter, for example, about smacking a large congregation of, quote, NATO advisors, in quotes, right. in any one site. It could be near the battlefront or it could be way back over in the west of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, that's happened three or four times now in the last year. Um, the Russians right. don't shout about it too loudly. And then on the other side, they just don't, they're not going to talk about that at all, of course. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It may, be, it may be years before that the scale of that comes out. I mean, right. go back to Vietnam. It was a long time before right. the thousands of advisors exactly. were a fact. They were a conspiracy theory of their own time right. for a decade or more. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, just throw up a map there, like I was saying, Scotty, will you? Um, of Ukraine. So, it's basically in the. Let me see. We're talking, see Kiev in the center there. Then we're talking just kind of west. Those. There they are, yeah. Right. Um, Ternopol and Klemitz. Kle Lemitsky. Yeah, see, Ternopol isn't that far from, from yeah. Lviv or Lvov or whatever. Um, so it's pretty far west in Ukraine, and that's where those, that massive explosion was, and it was, an, uh, it was a NATO, uh, a NATO, basically a NATO ammunition dump, uh, very large. And the interesting thing is why people are saying, well, why would they collect so much ammunition in one place and leave it available? Well, the kind of... If, you, if you've been watching them, obviously you have, but if maybe you don't remember, but in the <coughs> over the past, you know, say, but starting about maybe six months ago or even before that, you had quite a lot of Russian missile attacks on Western Ukraine. On those, you know, the sporadic, every couple of months or something, yeah. they would fire a bunch of cruise missiles, a hundred cruise missiles and drones and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of them would, would be targeted on Western Ukraine. Um, now, probably quite a number of those, <clears throat> given some <clears throat> credit to Ukrainian claims or whatever, were shot down, you know. But then they, they, they reduced and they reduced. And they're, they're in, in recent months, there's been very little in the way of Russian attacks on Western Ukraine. Now, maybe I'm stretching a bit here, but I think it's possible. Maybe I'm doing too much 4D chess. <clears throat> I'm thinking too much in 4D chess, but basically... This may have been a kind of a setup in a certain sense to lull the Ukrainians into a false sense of security by, over a period of time, um, not allowing them, but, you know, attacking Western Ukraine with, with various different missiles and giving them the confidence that they could shoot down, and which they did, uh, you know, maybe say 50% of the missiles that were, the, the cruise missiles that were that were um, targeted at Western Ukraine over the past, you know, several times over the past six months. Ukrainians get confident uh, that they can they can shoot down at least a decent number of these. And then um, along with that, they see that the Russians have reduced their attacks on Western Ukraine. So most of, a lot of Ukrainian air defense is in Western Ukraine and it's fairly uh, immune to Russian, Russian attack or Russian strikes. Russian can't destroy very easily Ukrainian air defense systems in Western Ukraine. So they stopped doing it. They stopped attacking Western Ukraine uh, so much over the past four or five months, leading the Ukrainians right. into a kind of f false sense of security that, listen, the Russians have finally have, have, have realized. They tried 
they weren't getting a very good hit rate on their missiles in their previous barrages because our air defense was working quite pretty well, i.e. American air defense effectively was working pretty well. So they basically stopped attacking Western Ukraine with cruise, these cruise missile barrages or any kind of missile barrages. So um, mm. we're more confident that we can amass a large ammunition stockpile in one area and then boom, they get hit with probably some kind of a, a, a hypersonic missile. Um, right. That can't be shot down, you know. Right. And of course it requires intelligence, uh, uh, for Russian intelligence, Russian, Russian getting on, the intelligence as to where the actual ammunition An ongoing was. observation, yeah. Yeah. And if you strike too much too fast, they move it more, it's harder to get a read on what's, yeah. what's going where. Right. But if you let them and watch and watch, you can see. Yeah, and it was pretty pretty serious blow because obviously a lot of this that, that equipment uh, would have been destined to Ukraine's much faded upcoming uh, super awesome um, offensive to beat all offensives in the history of offensives that is coming any day now. It's counteroffensive or it's offensive offensive, however you want to describe it. That's going to take back Crimea yeah. and Donbass and well, the and entire push on over to, the entire to Turkey, U- maybe Ukrainian <coughs> command is like uh, no <laughs> wait. Yeah, Zelensky, Zeluzny, they're all like, uh, yeah. and even more so on, now, we're, not, we're not ready. Yeah, we're not ready. But in the Western media, it's a fact. Um, I've seen valid speculation that that's because they know it's not, it's it's not going to do anything. Mm. It's more like a, it's another, it's another kind of um, uh, World War One type. Okay, blowing the whistle, everyone over the yeah. top, out of the trenches. Why? Just because it's time to do another one, you know. Well, people. People need to understand, and I know it's it's not it's not that palatable or pleasant, uh, uh, or the ide- the ideal way you, you'd like to think about this conflict, as in you know somebody's winning bigly and somebody's losing bigly, and when when's you know Russia going to start kicking ass, or when's Ukraine going to start kicking ass and drive Russia out? You know, people want to see decisive kind of moves on on the on the board, uh, but that's not the way war generally happens, especially this kind of war. Um, it it drags out for quite a long time. It's a war of attrition. It's strategy, you know. And that people need to understand that I at least I think that the goal of the West here, and this of course is a Western war against Russia using the territory of Ukraine and Ukrainian troops to fight Russia. Um, the goal of the US and the UK in particular with their lackeys in Europe who are kind of somewhat half-heartedly going along with it, um, is to create a stalemate. There's no there's no desire or intent or belief that, um, that, total, that total Ukraine victory. and slash NATO can just beat Russia and kick them out of Ukraine. There's no real serious, anybody with any, any serious person does not expect that the Donbass would be taken back by Ukraine, that Crimea will go back to Ukraine. That's not going to happen, and they know that. But they're basically capitalizing on the fact that Russia is the one who took the initiative of, of invading Ukraine, so that they're, um, they're in the position where they have to... If they don't do what they... or don't get what they intended to get out of this conflict, then that'll be a lose uh, for, for Russia. And just just pushing the situation to a stalemate is the intent of Western uh, Western powers of the US and the UK using the Ukraine as the hand in, in this conflict? Uh, that's their that's their goal is to create a situation where there's a stalemate. Russia doesn't really make very much gains. Maybe can't even consolidate its control over the four all of the four regions. 
that it has uh, supposedly that became that it annexed in a certain sense or that became part of Russia earlier this year. Um, or was it last year? I can't remember. Anyway. Um, September last year. September yeah. last year. So that's what they want. That's what they want to, that's their goal. That's what they want to create in this situation. They don't want to, they know they can't defeat or beat Russia, but they can make it look and appear to all intents and purposes as a defeat uh, simply by Ukraine holding out, i.e. NATO and the US right. using Ukraine holding out against Russia and grinding it down to a kind of a stalemate where enthusiasm and motivation and will to continue the warfare kind of drains away. And then it becomes a situation where you have to come to the negotiating table and f- negotiate something. Right. Uh, that's always been the case, but it's, I think, and, from and, the beginning. And it won't be because Russia couldn't vanquish Ukrainian forces. No, of course not. It'll be because of, well, let's go into the next thing that happened. Yeah. So those massive explosions were Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon... I couldn't believe when you told me. I, and I started looking at reports and official report. Russia initially said they were accidents. Um, two helicopters and two fighter jets were shot down inside Russia proper. Yeah. What, some 60 kilometers back in. The Western reporting on this is that all four were on their way out over the border to conduct strikes somewhere in the Chernigov region in northern Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And they were shot down simultaneously, and no. I don't think that's just a boast. It does seem that awful. Within a short period, the of time, reporting, the Western reporting, it was that they were a pair of fighter jets, and what you typically would have is two Mi eight helicopters behind them in case one is shot down and a rescue needs to be attempted. Yeah, well, uh, that's yeah. for what it's worth. That's the Western framing of what took place. Yeah, throw them, uh, throw them up back up there. Um, so we just go to northern, uh, north of Kiev there, basically, on the border into uh, Russia. Yeah, a bit more, a bit further over to the... Further to your right, further so further the, east. We're somewhere north of Belgorod, right? Yeah, Berdansk, the Berdansk region, yeah. So basically north of there, north of uh, Belgorod, in that area where those four, four roads meet. Uh, maybe just to, more to the right, actually, a little bit. Anyway, Berdansk region of, of Russia... And you see the border of the Ukraine along the bottom there. So basically, you had um, you have an S thirty SU thirty four Sukhoi thirty four, uh, which is a bomber, and an SU thirty five, which was kind of protecting it effectively, which is the way they operate. They're they're flying over. Their 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 goal is to fly down towards the Russian towards the Ukrainian border to deal with uh, on an on as they have been on an ongoing basis with p- incursions by uh, Ukrainian troops. Which has happened several times. They tried. They took last year. They took a couple of villages just over the border and all that kind of stuff, and then were pushed back out. So there's an ongoing problem for the Russians in terms of how to stop uh, Ukrainian um, infiltrators, basically military infiltrators coming into Ukraine or coming into Russia, and you know just you know messing around, basically causing a problem. Uh, So they have been bombing. uh, There are rivers along there that are that are uh, with bridges that to cross the rivers that the Ukrainians would need to actually uh, infiltrate into Russia. So these um, this this operation, what we're talking about, was <clears throat> an SU-34 bomber and an SU-35 kind of jet, fighter jet that was there to protect it. Uh, the bomber was in their design, planning to, you know, attack various targets, whatever, just along the border there to stop these infiltrations. 
And on top of that, you have two MI-8 helicopters, military helicopters, one of them a spe- reportedly a special kind of uh, specially equipped military helicopter with um, basically jamming technology to jam <coughs> with an overall fairly wide area, jam um, radar or anti-aircraft radar or missile, um, missile radar mm-hmm. systems of Ukrainian to stop them, mm-hmm. to basically suppress the fire, air defense fire, right? So from the ground. From the ground, yeah. That yeah. Would, yeah. And also the Su-35 is a jet there to protect in case any Ukrainian jet would come in and try and engage them, whatever. But primarily the the two the two helicopters, one of them at least, was there to suppress uh, the Ukrainian ability to detect these planes, target these planes using you know air defense radar. Um, but it didn't work, basically, for some reason or other. Now, how, it, it how, it, how it didn't happen, how it happened is still open to debate. My first thought was that they had basically put a, you know, there's quite a few, the American Patriot uh, anti, you know, air defense systems oh. um, in Ukraine, over western Ukraine and various different parts of Ukraine. They had one stationed on the border and they were able to detect these these four aircraft and they shot them down that way. Other people say that it was, I, it, it could have been, you know, groups of Ukrainians infiltrated with Strela or Stinger, sorry, uh, manpad missiles and shot them down that way. Or it could have been a combination of both, you know. Um, so it's hard to know. There's been no official word on what actually caused the shooting down and how it happened. But uh, what we do know is that, like we said, two jets and two uh, helicopters were shot down the day after, yeah. That's the single worst loss yeah. of aircraft since this began. So you've got to square this in your head, people, right? So on the one hand, the Ukrainians, like, they're reeling. They can't get enough fighters. They don't have enough weapons in most parts of the country. They don't have enough air defense systems. You saw the uranium drones, the crappy little propeller drones, taking whatever they wanted in Kiev. They don't have the tech. And then you have to square that with this. Mm-hmm. And ask yourself, is that Ukrainians who just caused the worst aviation results for Russia since this began a year and a bit ago? No. Clearly, clearly not. And if it's one, if it's just a solitary Patriot Patriot missile battery, holy mm. shit, even that's 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 way too impressive for one. Well, this was coordinated this was sophisticated. Like four aircraft all at once inside Russia. That's mm-hmm. you, you you can see right there it's not Ukraine versus Russia. Mm-hmm. It's the best satellite, ISR, and tech the Pentagon and the Brits have to offer. Yeah. And the best uh, oper- operators of this tech. Yep. Because that's There's not Ukraine getting Russia. That's, that's, <laughs> this, is, this is your World War Three. It's happening by proxy swipes. It's still at the level of yanking on each other's beards. Yeah, but still, that's the worst aviation day. Um, yeah. This, this is nine a video. people dead? This is a video of, yeah, and all the, all the occupants were, were killed. So obviously, it wasn't time for any evacuation or, or, or what do you call it? Ejecting uh, from the from the planes anyway, um, but this is a video of the the helicopter, one of the helicopters getting hit, and you can actually see if you zoom in on, you can actually see a missile coming in, and it looks. I mean, it's hard to tell whether it's an actually. Go ahead. Whether it's actually uh, there's no sound. That watermark. In a way, but you see a missile coming in from the left hand side, um, and hitting it. So. When they all happen on the same day, well, 
Well, it's it's it's. And it's I don't obscure. think they're gloating, but they, yeah, yeah, the British British and New York Post both use the same term: simultaneous attack. Yeah. Um, I'm inclined to believe them. And the Russians, well, so far they're eating it up and they're not making a big show of it. But um, okay. Ah, uh, earlier in the week. Well, but again, it's like, people rationalize that. Well, of course, you have to rationalize that as war. You know what I mean? That's what happens. You know, and it's a small. It's it's rel- a relatively small detail, except in the sense that if it, you know, the, the Russians, the Russian government has been explicit long before now that um, that they know that they're not fighting Ukrainians, they're fighting American Americans and, and British and their NATO allies, but primarily the Americans. Uh, so they see this as American hardware, anti-aircraft hardware fired from Ukraine. Into Russia, taking down um, uh, Russian aircraft four in one day, uh, and that's an escalation that hasn't happened before. You know, Russian planes or hel- uh, helicopters have been a few, relative few, have been taken down over the course of the war inside Ukraine, and Russia has been very reluctant to use significant air power because it still it realizes that okay, Ukraine doesn't have any innate or indigenous air defense and hasn't had it for a long time because a lot of it was destroyed, but it's been shipped in all the time. There's been different ty- there's different types of anti air there's German Ameri- like I mentioned the American Patriot missile system, there's German uh, and uh, German anti aircraft anti aircraft missile systems shipped in as well. So they know that these things are coming in all the time and they're not willing to just fly in and, and create you know, air superiority basically um, over Ukraine because they can't basically because they lose too many planes. So, but, so this is a, a an escalation in that respect where they have fired missiles into Russia at at Russian aircraft. But it the seems, interesting thing is that it's like how they want to provoke something. Well, from Russia. it's not. It's not, I don't think they want to provoke. They're just pushing the line back. As time goes on, they test things. And see how much they can get away with. See, see if they can push that supposed red line back a little bit. We're not past the red line. See what Russia does. Russia says nothing. They make an assessment. They wait a while. Then they push it a bit further and push it a bit further. Obviously, you know, and and it's a smart way to go about it because you see the response from Russia. See what happens. You give it a few weeks to see if there any kind of what kind of response Russia has, if any. If it doesn't, then you then you think of something else. You or you can or you can push it. See how far you can push it push it further, you know, that, I mean, it could get to the point where you could have another attempted attack on the Crimean Bridge, especially with these uh, new um, British-French Storm Shadow cruise missiles. And there's obviously other hardware that could be supplied, or uh, at- ATACAMs, mm-hmm. ground-to-ground, basically, missile systems that America has that could be pr- provided even though they say they won't, uh, but they've, you know, they, they, they've said that in the past. That we won't, we won't supply this, we won't supply that. But as time goes, on, <clears throat> as time goes on, um, they see then that there are fighter jets. I think they're already there. I think they've already sent them. It could well be. So yeah. that's what's happening. They're just they're just testing testing the limits uh, and, and seeing what happens. And of course, but, um, for a year we've been going. Where are those limits? Yeah, <laughs> but but the. You can see how, from a narrative point of view, this is entirely justified because what the West is supposedly doing in Ukraine is helping Ukraine to defend itself against uh-huh. evil, brutal, barbaric... The little guy, Russian, the underdog. ...Russian yeah, aggression, yeah. right? And they're simply providing Ukraine with an opportunity to defend itself. Now, if these four aircraft, the two helicopters and the two jets, were planning to attack Ukraine somewhere or other along the border, 
then shooting them down falls under the the self-defense rule, right? That we were simply preventing an attack by Russian aircraft on Ukrainian uh, positions, um, and that's self-defense. Right. So, and we didn't strike Russian territory, right? <laughs> yeah, technically, no. Well, didn't. there you go. See, that's the example of how they yeah. rationalize this and plan this out and think about it and then say, well, does that fit within our narrative? Technically, it does, so it's defense. So, yeah, I don't see but why not. before now, drones have hit the airfield of the... Uh, begins with the knee. Uh, 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 Engels Air Force Base is like yeah. a strategic nuclear site. That's even further yeah. inside Russia proper. Yeah, they've been doing it for quite a long time throughout it, so it's nothing new in that respect, you know. And this is just something that's most recent. These four aircraft that were shut down is just something that the Russians have to say, listen, well, okay, that's another piece of data that we're going to have to adjust to and, um, and see how it goes. But, yeah, again, they can frame everything as, as defense. You know what I mean? If Russia is the aggressor, then any attack on Russian... Um, Russian infrastructure or supplies that is very specifically military can be seen as defence. All these incidents we're talking about have happened since. But when it was first announced by the British MOD that they were going to supply longer-range cruise missiles, the Russian Foreign Ministry, for what it's worth, gave a formal warning to the UK that the Russia reserves the right to take any measures deemed necessary to neutralize a threat. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Um, this, they described this as a reckless step and that London's destructive activities in general would be to blame for the consequences. Yeah. We're all well, waiting to see what those consequences are. But Again. I, there may not be any... The, the big explosion of material we saw doesn't follow sequentially but that's an ongoing response I mm-hmm. suppose they will just keep but they destroying would, it they would have done that anyway right, exactly. regardless yeah, yeah. I mean Russia my 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 sense is that Russia regardless of what happens you know shooting down Russian aircraft whatever you know infiltration into Russia you know, bombing of the Crimean Bridge you know blah 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 sinking of the Moscow attacks on yeah on, on Crimea is is responded to by just stick to the plan Carry on, stick to the plan. And the plan is... Trust the plan. Trust the, trust the plan, yeah. Trust Hugh is Trump. running Russia. Exactly. I knew it. The, the plan's going to make it. That's where he is. He's in the Kremlin. Yeah, exactly. Hugh, Trump, Kremlin. Yeah, yeah, it all makes That's sense why I hate now. him so much, yeah. Um, him, i.e. the CIA. Do, do, do you get the impression this week that... Well, actually, I'll, I'll say I got the impression this week that this cannot end up ever being anything other than a draw. Not so much because, I mean, Russia has already destroyed Ukraine's army four or five times over. I mean, it can keep doing that and doing that. Forever. But as long as you have sophisticated high-tech that can come in, fit into Ukraine like a glove, and then smack anywhere in Russia at once, that's what they're signaling. Look how specific we can be. We we didn't technically hit hit Russia proper. We hit you up in the air. Mm -hmm. But we're also saying we could smack your cities. Mm -hmm. That... Given that the escalatory ceiling is beyond that, rapidly approaches MAD. Yeah, but then but, but, this can only ever be a draw. Exactly. Yeah, but so it won't they won't they they won't go. They know Russia won't go to MAD, and you know the West isn't you know going to go to MAD, and, and they're using that against Russia, right? They're using the fact that Russia, for all its talk, won't yeah. isn't going to launch a, a nuclear war in the world, Mad basically, bluff. right? So you just keep pushing it, and like I said earlier on, their goal is to deny Russia. Uh, achieving what it has set out to achieve and forcing it to a point 
where whatever gains they have made, that's all you're getting. And Ukraine is still technically kind of intact, except now entirely owned by Western Western interests and you know, military, militarily, economically, uh, if not socially, um, owned by the West. And they see that as a win because, like, ultimately we have taken a big chunk of of Ukraine. Ukraine is now firmly in the Western camp. You have, you know, you've okay, you liberated Donbas and you keep Crimea, but that's what you more or less had beforehand. And it hasn't really gone very well for you. You haven't really got what you achieved, or got what you intended to achieve. Um, so, well, we're calling that a win. And Russia's been stood down, basically, in, 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 in Ukraine. Um, and that's the end of it. And then, event- obviously, eventually, some kind of negotiated agreement, settlement, has to happen at some point. When that happens, it will will depend on... On, on both parties involved, uh, the U.S. and Russia, uh, based on their own criteria of what's how they how they want to how they want to settle it, um, and that'll be the end of it. And Russia will claim that it has achieved its objectives, and the U.S. will achieve that it has achieved its objectives, and everybody will be left to go. You know that was a load of bullshit. <laughs> uh, that was all senseless. Although from our perspective, it wasn't senseless. You know, I mean, our understanding of the Russian. Uh, perspective on it is that it wasn't senseless, even if Russia only achieves, say, the the the, the line, the front line, or the gains were, were territorial gains made by Russia were were frozen at this point, and then they're frozen for the foreseeable future. Russia will probably see that as a as as a as a victory, you know, as it, that it got what it wanted. Okay, it maybe had compromised a little bit on its ultimate goals, but it's a win because it has stood up to. It stood up to the West, took what the West could try and throw at it, and it didn't back down. And it, you know, there's a new world order was going to settle out of this, where America doesn't get to rule rule the day all the time, doesn't get to declare a mission accomplished, and have presidents in their <clears throat> in their crotch crotch protecting straps, whatever on the. <laughs> On aircraft carriers, you know, and, uh, and and making glorious pronouncements about how they've won this war on terror, or won this or defeated the evil dictator, blah blah. You know, it's going to be a lose for America anyway. But ultimately, that's just optics as well. That's just pro- the propaganda, yeah. you know. It, it won't be a, a shocking loss for. And they have a lot more a billion Westerners. It'll no. still look like yeah, that's plausible. We won that. Yeah, and they have the a world lot, order is upheld. Blah, blah blah. They have a lot more. They have a lot of other issues they're dealing with. You know, the Americans in particular. Um, are dealing are dealing with right now as well. So there's lots of other stuff to take up the the news, take up new, uh, you know, space on the news cycle. You know, yeah, more than Ukraine. In fact, if you look at the actual news cycle, it's Ukraine isn't exactly dominating it. You know, in terms of American domestic news cycle. Agreed. There's immigrants and before uh, that sounds like you're about to segue onto something else. Um, someone asked, "Where's Zeluzny? Zeluzny is, of course, that the." top commander yeah. of the Ukrainian forces. Yeah, there were claims that he had been killed, but... I don't think so. He, he, there was a statement somehow discussed in Ki- in Kievan media last week, um, which was cited by many people. This speaks to our topic last week, this this spat between the head of Wagner, the Prusok, the yeah. boss of... The, the financial boss of Wagner, Prigozhin, and uh, Gerasimov, Shoigur. Yeah. It sounded like, yeah, he was... The torrent of abuse directed at both yeah. of them as incompetent, yeah. you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Well, Zeluzhny said something last week, maybe on radio, 
that uh, he he re- totally respects Gerasimov. He says he is a genius military yeah, yeah. strategist. Now, I I don't like, I don't pay any attention to Prigozhin. What's his name? Prigozhin. Prigozhin. I don't pay any attention to him anymore. He's a bit of a blowhard, and I don't pay any attention to those theatrics. I don't think he's very. What he says is of any real significance. He just talk a lot of non, talk a lot of hyperbole, basically, and um, to and get what it, he wants. Yeah, and it doesn't really it doesn't matter. So people like losing their losing their shit over over that and, and getting worked up about it are, are just looking, you know, they're looking a bit too too intensely at it and they're not seeing a, the, the bigger picture, you know. Um, but yeah, so like I was saying, the Americans have a lot more things on their other things on their plate to to occupy them and to entertain them. This one, for example. Um, as an example, well, China, uh, apart from domestic U.S. affairs, there's also China. And when are they going to have a war against China? Are they done with Ukraine yet? And when are you going to move on to China, you know? And this is uh, Democratic Senator Jackie Rosen uh, has a complaint. And she's actually speaking to um, the, de- the um, Department of National... Is it Department? DNI? Department of National Intelligence? Avril Haines... Director. Director of National Intelligence. Avril Haines, we'll talk about her in a little minute, but just have a listen to this. China has rapidly increased its engagement around the world. It includes brokering, actually trying to broker troubling agreements between, uh, to reestablish diplomatic ties between Iran and Saudi Arabia, offering to broker peace deals uh, <gasps> between Ukraine and the Russian Fuck aggressors. Me. So these Bomb incidents, they highlight China's stopper. persistent presence and intention to exert its influence and match the U.S. as a global power. So how can the U.S. address China's increasing involvement in global diplomatic matters? And can we expect to see more countries try to turn to China as a mediator? And what do you think the implications of this pivot would mean to us? That ain't so. so Thank she's, you, Senator. She, I, uh, it's a very thoughtful question. Very thoughtful, yeah. <laughs> Very thoughtful, a bunch of jokers. Like she's, she's, she's just saying, "What, what, what are we going to do?" China's trying to broker troubling agreements that involve like peace between long-term enemies. I mean, how, how, how do we stop this? You know, I mean, I mean, these people are so deluded. Like, I mean, they don't, they obviously can't hear themselves. And they're in such an echo chamber that she doesn't hear herself bringing up, um, in the Senate to the. Director of National Intelligence, the big, big problem for America of an, one of the other major world countries brokering peace deals in historic conflict zones in the world and establishing diplomatic ties between, for example, Iran and Saudi Arabia. How do we stop that from happening? Because that's a horrible thing. These people should be at each other's throats. They have been for a very long time. And we've done very well out of them being at, the, at each other's throats for a long time. And now China's trying to make them friends. And how do we stop that from happening? And, you know, this is all in the context of freedom and democracy, right? Because that's what America is all about. It's about spreading peace and love and freedom and democracy around the world. And the way that we do that is to prevent other countries from brokering peace deals between warring parties. Do you understand that? Um, do I sound like a complete fucking idiot? Yes, I do. Can I hear myself? No. Should anybody be listening to me? No. Uh, but they are. Should CNN and other media report on the fact that I'm, you know, literally full of shit? I mean, I'm talking no sense. I'm making no, no sense whatsoever. Like, I'm talking like a warmongering country. And should CNN be actually presenting it that way? Yes. Do they present it that way? No. How do they present it? They present it as America trying to present 
preserve peace and security in the world by preventing other countries from securing peace and security. You see, it all makes a lot of sense if your head's up your ass like, it is, like, like, like hers is, you know? It's completely rational. Right. What you want her to say is, so um, Director Haynes, after spending decades funding first one side and then the other in Middle Eastern wars, how in the, how in the hell did that come to an end? We were on a good thing there, you know. We give mo- money and weapons to Saddam Hussein, and then seem- we give them to Iran. Which is what she's saying, basically. In Saudi Arabia. You don't have to read too deeply between the lines to hear that that's actually what she's saying. She's yeah. complaining about peace deals between long-term, uh, you know, warring factions in major countries in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia and Iran. How do we stop China from from from, from encouraging them to be friends? Because, like, There'll be no more war in the Middle East, no more conflict in the Middle East. That's, that's horrible. It's horrible. We wouldn't be able to dominate people. Yeah. We like dominating people. America. Um, it's funny that she thinks China is the biggest threat because Biden said this week that the most dangerous threat to the USA is white supremacy. Well, yeah, it is. Of course it is. That, that's, that's a WTF moment. At least you can kind of guess what she's alluding to, but... He's saying that Biden's saying that people like me, me as in Biden, not me, uh, uh, that it's just that's that's the height of like that argument has just come to its it, the end of the road for it, basically. Hmm. And he's not the first person to say that, of course. It's Mark Milley who said that as well on the record in Congress saying that the most dangerous threat to the United States is white supremacy. What the fuck? Um, the, there's something that happened last week that I think could could be the next. I think we're, we're a couple of steps down the road towards the U.S. coming to some kind of standoff with China, and that is that there was a tit for tat expulsion of diplomats between Canada and China last week. Mm-hmm. That reminded me of like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. That's how it began with Russia. The Obama administration kicked out and shut down a consulate or two at a school or something mm-hmm. in Washington or. Washington State, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's how it begins. Yeah, you start expelling diplomats right. under some pretext. The bullshit was Ch- uh, Canada expelled a, a Chinese diplomat because he was quote bullying a conservative Canadian Chinese um, MP. Uh, the bit they left out is that the, this MP was like all over the propaganda, the lie about. It. We, China's Uyghur oppression, you know, mm-hmm. and he was trying to lobby him to, you know, come on. Yeah. Or, but supposedly, because he still has family back in China, that the Chinese regime was putting pressure on his family back home. Anyway, so um, Canada declared this diplomat persona non grata. China has since responded in the same week. Um, that's a very un Chinese thing. Like Russia, you know, we've gotten used to Russia going, okay, we'll give as good as we get. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll fire one too. We'll send him home too. Mm-hmm. But China doing that, like that's there's no there's no more cute panda. Like you know, it's panda with claws now at this point. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's that's the next step on on the road to um to showdown. We've spoken, but we don't think it's actually going to come to much like the the way Ukraine did. But the rhetoric and the insanity about it will for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, we talked about this last week, 
but here's the, I mean, maybe you can see this. Again, talking about American domestic issues, Jesus. Um, this is, relates to the Biden, Hunter Biden laptop and the revelation that, you know, apparently wasn't such a big deal that as this Wall Street Journal, uh, it's okay, it's an opinion piece, but even the Wall Street Journal is allowing an opinion piece that says that Biden's, that is titled Biden's CIA assist in the 2020 presidential election. The agency, not only retirees, turns out to have worked on the Hunter excuse letter. So, um, obviously, most people know this is, uh, this is the, the kind of alternate universe story to the Russiagate story with Trump. Right. Right. Uh, were, uh, and Russia interfering in our elections and colluding with Trump to interfere in our elections in 2016 and basically stealing the election in cahoots with Russia and denying Clinton the presidency and how that dominated the airwaves and everybody, you know, got their knickers in a twist repeatedly in a, you know, for forever. And we all vomited that the amount of, you know, the nausea that it produced, just incessant nonsense about it. And at the time, most people, with any sense, were aware that it was just, this was a, this was propaganda. It was being made up entirely, right? Yeah. And it was so this, bad, we were relieved when COVID came along. Right. And something else to talk about. So this is what happens in the alternate universe whenever you have, so in the, in the, in the phony clown shoes reality we live in, you can make up a story about Trump including with Russia to steal a 20, the, the presidential election and everybody loses their shit. And there's no evidence, obviously, because you just made it up. And it's obvious that you made it up at the time, but everybody, a lot of people seem to believe it and all the mainstream media runs with it. But in the alternate, more sane universe, which we're getting a glimpse into here, <laughs> if, if, if this was the actual dominant reality, uh, the, what's, what actually happened in the 2020 election was that the CIA and 51 current and former members of the intelligence, U.S. intelligence community deliberately interfered in the 2020 election in the form of knowingly lying about Hunter Biden's laptop and the contents of his laptops, which, laptop, which implicates obviously not only Hunter Biden, but uh, at that time, presidential candidate Joe Biden, who is now president, implicates him in, in serious corruption and money laundering and pay pay for pay for access schemes and all that kind of stuff serious corruption that would have disqualified him in anybody's eyes i don't know if legally but certainly he would not have been able to he wouldn't have won that election uh, if, if mo mo most people knew about it but they were denied most people in america were denied and around the world were denied knowledge of the extent of the biden family corruption because the cia american intelligence directly interfered in it to shut it down and claim that it was all Russian propaganda and it was lies and give Biden those talking points and made it go away so that he could win the election. So they basically, like the, the, this, even this Wall Street Journal opinion says it was the CIA assisted him but effectively secured him the election by directly interfering in the democratic process in America. And nobody says a fucking word about it except... You know, most of the mainstream media ignores this story, has ignored this story. It's not a big deal. You don't you won't see this story covered on, on CNN or or MSNBC, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and and the only thing that happens is, okay, 
to their credit, Republicans in Congress, uh, particularly Jim Jordan, are 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 are, are investigating, have been investigating it, and have pu- are publishing the the facts about it. But apparently, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't change anything. Uh, unlike in Trump's case, where it produces an, an impeachment proceedings and gets him, you know, roundly, roundly trashed by you know everybody in America supposedly and everybody around the world thinks thinks Trump is this you know evil colluding Russian election hacking you know rapist person and there's no evidence for any of that. But when the evidence comes up that that's actually describing Biden, there's crickets. Yeah. So well, how think, does that work? I think um, Bobby Kennedy said it in another podcast last week. Most Americans are afraid of the CIA. Yeah. You know, Chuck Schumer said the quiet part out loud. They have six ways from Sunday to get you. Hmm. And that affects everyone personally, especially if you have any influence um, yeah. in media or in Washington. Well, here's They're the, scared. They're scared of the, the spooks. Here's here's a little announcement about it, basically about their investigation from this uh, group of Republican members of Congress, and Jim Jordan are on the right as well. Just have a listen. Biden was lecturing Romania on anti-corruption policies. In reality, he was a walking billboard for his son and family to collect money. Hunter Biden and his associates capitalized on a lucrative financial relationship with the Romanian national who was under investigation for and later convicted of corruption in Romania. The Bidens received over $1 million for the deal. And 16 of the 17 payments to their associates' account that funneled the Bidens' money occurred while Joe Biden was vice president. In fact, the money stops flowing from the Romanian national soon after Joe Biden leaves the vice presidency. This is a pattern of influence peddling. This appears separate from any payment Hunter received from his work connecting this individual to a U.S. law firm. We'll also provide further information regarding the Biden's relationship with China. This includes two individuals the committee is particularly concerned about. One of them, Yu Jinming, had close ties to the highest levels of the Chinese Communist Party and operated a multi-billion dollar energy company with access to large sums of money. We'll discuss how the Bidens received millions of dollars from this individual through the use of shell companies and wire transfers. In March, the committee released its first bank records memorandum that showed a Biden associate, Rob Walker, used his company to funnel money from the Chinese to various Biden family members. Democrats dismissed the evidence, even though it was based on bank records directly from the bank. The Democrats on the Oversight Committee received the same records as the Republicans, and they were able to verify the information. Democrats said all the bank records showed were Papa John's and Starbucks receipts. They deliberately chose to misconstrue and deny what was clearly in front of them. Hunter Biden's representatives claimed the money was, quote, good faith seed funds, but could not explain why those funds had to go through an intermediary in what appears to be an attempt to hide the transfers from the Chinese. They also couldn't explain why the Bidens received over $1 million 
in 16 different wire transfers over a period of three months to at least five different banks. Totally legit. Uh, and here's just fo- just to follow up. And here's Jim Jordan uh, speaking specifically about some of those details. I think as part of that, um, the discourse. Um, suspicious activity reports. The, the key word in that phrase is the word suspicious. There are a hundred and seventy of those reports. Many of them put together by the Treasury Department of our government in the Obama-Biden administration. So 170 of those that the committee has reviewed, thousands of pages of bank records the committee has reviewed, and that has told us that there are now multiple, as Mr. Donald just said, multiple LLCs receiving money from foreign entities and paying that money out to multiple members of the Biden family. And the fundamental question is the one Byron just raised. For what? What did they do? What was the business? What service did they yeah, provide? What value did they add? What did they do to warrant receipt of the money? That is the fundamental question, and no one seems to have an answer to that fundamental question. Uh, stuff. But Mr. Comer, Chairman Comer, and the team, that's what we're looking into trying to get. And I would just say this, too. Why not just come clean? Mm-hmm. Why not just be honest with us? Why not tell us the truth? But I would tell you this. I think it's a pattern with this administration. They haven't been square with us, straight with us, straight with the American people about anything. They, told, they tell us the border is secure. We know it isn't. They tell us our debt ceiling bill is going to hurt veterans. No, it doesn't. Joe Biden said during the campaign that the letter from 51 former intel officials when he used it in the debate, he portrayed it as if it was organic. And we now know through another investigation that we're all working on that, in fact, it was coordinated. That letter from 51 former intel officials mm-hmm. was coordinated with the Biden campaign. So much so, the Biden campaign told Mike Morrell, here's the journalist we want you to have uh, the story to the letter to first. Why not just be straight with us? Why not come clean? Why not tell us the truth? Tell the American people the truth. They deserve that from their government. Again, the fundamental question is, what did they do to warrant the receipt of millions and millions of dollars? Why did, why did Joe Biden's brother, why did Joe Biden's sister-in-law, why did Joe Biden's son, why did so many family members get the money? What did they do to... Re- to warrant receipt of that money. That's the fundamental question. Chairman Comer and the team have done great work, and they're determined to get answers to those fundamental questions. So, like, the short version is coming up to the 2020 election, Biden against Trump, Hunter Biden's laptop in a a drug-addled state. He forgets his laptop, leaves it there a few months previously. Somebody gets a hold of it. Look, the guy who, who left it with gets a hold of it, and the information on it is... You know, released in one way or another, and the Biden campaign are aware of this. They say, "Listen, this looks bad. That laptop has a lot of information on it about our really dodgy, corrupt, illegal dealings using the offices of the vice president to enrich me and my family members through corrupt deals with other countries. This would totally disqualify me from 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 the election, essentially from winning the election. What are we going to do about it? This is bad. Tell you what, let me call." It's Biden and his team. Let's call the intelligence agency heads, the intelligence agency itself, CIA, the CIA, FBI probably as well, and all of the previous guys that weren't in good standing, 51 of them. Let's get them all together. Okay, let's talk to them. And so we talk to them. We say, listen, guys, uh, this is bad. Here's the situation. We're, we're caught. Our balls are hanging out the window here on this one. You know, um, We're going to go down for corruption. 
Um, it's not going to look good. Trump's going to win. Trump's going to win. What what it, what will we do about it? And the guy said, "Well, listen, we'll just what what do you, what do you reckon? Maybe call it Russian Russian propaganda. Say the laptops Russian Russian or something. It was a Russian laptop with Russian stuff on it, and it's nothing to do with Biden, and it's just Russian Russian agents trying to interfere in our election. What about that? Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a really good idea. You guys go ahead, put a letter letter together, and you know what? Here's a list of the journalists that I want you to give that letter that you're making up to, so that they can run the story. Cause, and don't worry about them because they're on board as well, right? So basically. Biden, crony, crony capitalist, Biden, Biden family, in league with the CIA, fully on board, in bed, and with most of the media, all conspiring to prevent information about how corrupt Biden and his whole clique are from getting out to the public so that he can be president, despite him being a corrupt asshole and probably a pedophile. So... Um, so what you're saying is there's a vast conspiracy, sort of. But Joe, I'm pretty, somebody pretty, would somebody would talk. Yeah, somebody would talk. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, you you run with that one. You go with that. See how far <laughs> you, you said get. conspiring. I know. Yeah, nobody conspires. Yeah, no one ever. Nobody ever gets in a room and sits down and talks about things. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. What kind of fucking tin hat nut jobbery is that? Getting together, talking about how to sort out their problems <clears throat> and using their influence and leverage to make sure those problems get solved. Nobody ever does that, Neil. Not job. <laughs> go, and, go and, you know, get into a fetal position in the corner there and rock back and forth with your tinfoil hat on, you nutty person. Anyway, um, meanwhile this week, Trump, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the loopy, you know... I don't know what to call Trump. Um, he was, for some reason, <coughs> CNN decided to host a town hall. Oh, wait, before that, you've got to talk about the fact that Trump was finally convicted of rape. Oh, was he? That, that just blew past me. I'm like, what? Whatever. This is mental. I, people are probably see if you haven't, go and watch the um, Jimmy Dore summary video on this. It's just 10 minutes long. Yeah, so they got, it's been a long week for CNN types than Trump. Obviously, it ended bad. We'll get to that in a minute. But it began with a win. They got headlines out in the yeah. U.S. and internationally that Trump had been convicted of sexual battery or abuse of a woman in the 1990s. Not rape. The jury, it was a, I think it was in New York. This is separate from the DA's case about, um, Jesus, what's that one about? Oh, improper use of campaign funds. That, that's yeah, yeah. another one. This is that one where... Stormy Daniels, yeah. Stormy Daniels payment, hush-hush money, right? That's not something again that'll get on. No, I can't hang. But they got something. He got him here. They got him convicted, in quotes. He has to pay damages to her. Um, the insane thing about this case, that Gene Carroll makes a claim that this happened in the mid-1990s. Normally, any claim for sexual assault is, is thrown out it doesn't even make it in front of a judge. It's mm -hmm. thrown out on its merits because it's a That's statute it. of limitations that's well passed. But this woman and her, her lawyer were on TV boasting after the success, successful uh, declaration in her favor that the law was changed in 2022 in the state of New York, specifically for one year, it wasn't going to be that the law was changed forever after, but for one year only, for there her. would be zero limits right. on, on the statute of limitations. It's Anyone so could come forward 
And the only one who comes forward has a claim against Donald Trump. And that's it. The window now is about to close and it, the law will revert back. They changed the law temporarily just to get this case going. Mm-hmm. Even then, the jury, which probably hated Trump, New York jury, still didn't convict him on the main charges. Which, but because which it's a charges. civil suit, he does have to pay damages up to well, $5 million. Nobody dollars. can appeal. Exactly. That may not be the end of it. But all it gave them was the headlines for 24 hours. Trump convicted sexual molestation slash battery. See, finally, after six years, he is a rapey bastard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Except her, her thing all these years was that he raped her, and that was not right. not proven. They said that he, they, 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 he was not convicted of, of of rape. Obviously, anybody with any sense, seeing how this is operating, there's also, there's also the fact that uh, her whole case, her, her her legal fees for this entire case was um, was ba- was. Bankrolled by a Democrat, mega, a mega donor to the to the DNC, to the Democrat Party. George Soros? No, a guy called um, Berg, Bergdorf, Bergdorf Goodman. Uh, oh yeah, he's a founder of like uh, LinkedIn or something. Right, that's his one of the tech companies. So it's obviously a political hit job. A, a political hit job, basically. Yeah. And it's, then it's, I think CNN thought we got him nailed to the mast. Now and that's when the town hall took place. Right. Um, and it didn't go as they planned. Yeah, which is weird. I mean, it's almost like they're just doing it because they're not serious about any of any of these claims. It's just to keep the population enthralled, keep them divided, keep them keep a cloud hanging over Trump. Well, no, over, but over the population. When CNN mm. willingly provides a platform for Trump, and part of the deal, I think, the people say anyway that the that the audience was going to be were Republican. Trump supporters basically, so they would have because uh, of the uh, town that was picked, yeah. right? Uh, but anyway, so they allowed him to do that. I mean, otherwise they 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 surely knew how this was going to go. That Trump uh-huh. was going to push back against this and be typical Trump, right? Uh, so they gave him a platform to do that, mm. which is weird because what? It, well, it obviously provides more drama for this real, crappy reality TV TV show that we're watching, and CNN is is uh, is benefiting from it in terms of viewership. So they're not serious about any of their claims about evil Trump, must stop Trump at all costs, blah, 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 blah. Or otherwise, they wouldn't be giving him a platform. You know what I mean? They could easily just not give him a platform. In today's extreme, you know, partisan, partisan political uh, yeah. atmosphere, they've, they have long since dispensed with any idea of impartiality. So why would they bother giving him a platform other than to get them attention? Which means that they they have no integrity and they're not serious about evil Trump at all, except to the extent that it's you need both sides, right? You need to have them saying evil Trump, he's such a bad man. Oh, let's let let him respond and and you know and keep everybody entertained while we bank it, right? And we keep you all distracted and ignorant about what's really going on here, you know. But yeah. anyway, this is him. Um, well, we actually, go- not that one actually, Scotty. Uh, did I say anyone do do that one beforehand? Uh, 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 uh. Yes, do that one. So he was a newscaster, very nice man. She called him an ape. Happens to be African American. Called him an ape. The it's judge wouldn't allow us to put that yeah. in. Yeah. Her dog or her cat was named Vagina. <laughs> the judge wouldn't allow to put that in. All of these things. He was, but with her, they can put in anything. Access. This Hollywood was a jury of nine people who found right. you liable of sexual abuse. <laughs> Do you think that, that that will deter women from voting for you? No, I don't think so, because I think the whole thing... Just so you understand, ready? I 
never met this woman. I never <laughs> saw this woman. This woman said, I met her at the front door of Bergdorf Goodwin, which I rarely go into other than for a couple of charities. I met her in the front door. She was about 60 years old. And this is like 22, 23 years ago. I met her in the front door of Bergdorf Goodman. I was immediately attracted to her, and she was immediately attracted to me. And we <laughs> had this great chemistry. We're walking into a crowded department, so we had this great chemistry. And a few minutes later, we end up in a, a room, a dressing room, of Bergdorf Goodman, right near the cash register. And then she found out there are locks on the door. So she said, I found one that was open. She found one. She learned this at trial. She found one that was open. What kind of a woman meets somebody and brings him up, and within minutes you're playing hanky-panky in the dressing room, okay? I don't know if you, she was married then or not. John Johnson, I feel sorry for you, John Johnson. Just the president, can I, can I, can I ask think, you this? Think of it. Think of it. Uh, I know you're if I could, because you asked the question. Just so you understand, though. if I was walking in at the park, because I was very famous then, and I owned the Plaza Hotel right next door, and I owned buildings around it, I'm not going into a dressing room of a crowded department store. Then I say, if she was being raped, and by the way, they said she wasn't raped, okay? That was her charge. They, wasn't, they found they did, they found, her. No, what, say what? They, they, did, they said he didn't rape her. And didn't I didn't do anything else either. You know what? Because I have no idea who the hell she is. But Mr. President, can, can I ask you, given your recounting? <laughs> so yeah, that's Trump. Um, I mean, that's obviously what he was going to—the way he was going to go. I mean, <laughs> they focused on him enough over the past how long is it now? Seven years uh, to know that that's 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 what he is, but. And that's the way he goes about things. But, the, I mean, it, it was a longer, I don't know how long it was, a couple of hours, whatever, but there's this, uh, this part here as well on, um, which exposes how the US media talk, thinks about Ukraine and stuff, just the inanity of it. And he at least, uh, you know, yeah, it is a bit of real statesmanship, you know. Would you give Ukraine weapons I was impeached by a crazy woman named Nancy but Pelosi. But the question here is, would you give Ukraine weapons and funding if you were I elected? would sit down. Let, let me just put it a nicer way. Uh, if I'm president, I will have that war settled in one day, 24 hours. How would you settle that war in one day? Because I'll meet with Putin. I'll meet with Zelensky. They both have weaknesses and they both have strengths. And within 24 hours, that war will be settled. It'll be over. It'll be absolutely over. Do you over. want Ukraine to win this war? Uh, I don't think in terms of winning and losing. I think in terms of getting it settled so we stop killing all these people and breaking down this, this country. Now, what do you... Can I just follow up on that? You said you don't think in terms of winning and losing. You have Mr. to get President, can Europe. I just follow up on that? Because that's a really important no, excuse statement me, let me that just you just made up. there. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying. Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. And I'll have that done. I'll have that done in 24 hours. I'll have it done. You need the power of the presidency to do it. I mean, that idiot CNN person, like she, it's like a sports game to her, you know? It's yeah. like, do you want, can you just say which team you want to win here in, in, this, in, this, in this tonight's match? You know, I mean, that's all it is to me. He explicitly says, I, "I want people to stop." It's not about winning. No, no, but on that point, who do you want to win? He just said, but she, her story. So you look at her and you go, "Okay, she's CNN. She must be a libtard. She obviously has knives out for Trump." She began her shtick about ten years ago on Fox affiliates, ranting and raving about George Soros. 
right. funding everyone on the left. Right. These people are just, who do you take seriously? Mm-hmm. You know, Trump has proven because he's gone, even there you have difficulty taking him seriously because of the games, uh, the kind of, the game show host that comes out all the time. You know, but still, he's proven through all the shit he's taken the six years and his continued dedication to do something right. Mm-hmm. You can take him seriously, ironically. Yeah. Libtards will never be able no. to because they've been programmed to hate him. But but they're also, they're also, I mean, especially media anchors, media journalists, so-called journalists and stuff, they have no integrity. They're doing it simply for... Uh, attention. They don't care what they're talking about. They don't. She doesn't care about which side she supports or doesn't support. Or whatever. She just talks about the current thing mm. and pushes it in your face in order to get people to read her her newspaper or pay for clicks on her newspaper. You know, because that's her mandate as a, as a, as an employee of that organization is to is to make money. And it doesn't matter how you make money; just make the money. We don't care. We don't have, we don't have any integrity. You know, they don't have any integrity at all. Yeah. But people still think they do, you know. People still think they're getting the truth or some approximation to the truth when they read CNN or MSNBC or, or even even Fox News, at least on Fox News, at least with Tucker Carlson, you've got a decent dose of truth. But even now, Fox News is just like almost as bad, you know. Um, it's just our side versus your side. It's, that, it's a sports game to them, you know. They don't care about And they talk about, oh, the poor people of Ukraine, but they don't give two shits about the poor people of Ukraine because it's their... They and their 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 media organization and their and their government that are directly responsible for any deaths in Ukraine today, over the past two, over the past year. Um. Yeah, and then I mean, as an example, you talk. We, we I meant I meant to throw this in actually. Um, just on the that what's her face on. <laughs> And this isn't just from RT, the woman who's talking about China and, and the horror of China brokering peace deals between, you know, long-term warring factions and what are we going to do to stop this? This is um, <coughs> um, a bipartisan group of U.S. lawmakers. So bipartisan group has introduced a bill to oppose the normalization of relations between Syria and other nations. Right. So that's, Syria that's was, Syria was in reinstated Arab in the Arab League and that was horrible and they're threatening... U.S. lawmakers are threatening countries like Saudi Arabia, other Arab countries, Middle Eastern countries, that do not normalize relations with Syria because, you know, there might be peace in the region and that would leave America out because America, you know, profits from conflict and war and death. So anything that goes in the opposite direction is extremely bad for us and we will threaten you with economic sanctions and anything else we can dream up if you push in this direction, which is, again, is, is the Chinese and Russian uh, agenda of a multipolar world where people uh, live peaceably and America doesn't go around the world anymore starting fires and creating conflict. And Americans are very unhappy about this. Certain American politi- American politicians. Yeah. Some American politicians are very unhappy about it. So... Yeah, um, that's Syria. Syria and Turkey are in talks to normalize their border situation. Right. That would basically end the war because that's the main sticking point at this point. Right. The Kurdish issue slash the border issue where there's still pockets of ISIS types living in, in Idlib province. Um, and on Turkey, there's a major election in 
Turkey today. I say major because that'd be five years, but Erdogan has won everything since 2000. And before God knows when. But. Before we get into that, there's just two small items. One is this one, which was um, the, the leaks. You know those leaks from that young guy, the Navy guy a few weeks ago? Where we learned about how the U.S. were spying on everybody and how the situation in Ukraine wasn't going very well, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that, that, those leaks were like there were hundreds of pages associated. I don't know if they put them all on him, but associated with that leak and hundreds of pages of documents. And this is from one. Well, it's a report on one of them, um, and it's 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 just I thought it was interesting in a meeting in mid February with Deputy Prime Minister Shrylenko, Zelensky suggested that Ukraine could blow up the Soviet-built. The Ruzba pipeline that provides oil to Hungary. Zelensky highlighted that Ukraine should just blow up the pipeline and destroy likely Hungarian uh, Viktor Orban's industry, which is based heavily on Russian oil. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I'm a bit suspicious about this. Well, look, Go that, on, what's your thoughts? That's part of those leaks, but I mean, it, my, my point, and you know, there's no reason to disbelieve it, it certainly fits with. Uh, Maybe not Zelensky himself, but certainly with the thinking in Ukraine to blow up pipelines. Um, but still, you're not allowed to say that America um, or anybody associated with America would blow up pipelines, uh, blow up Nord Stream one and two pipelines, right? But you know, uh, actual U.S. Um, classified documents cite the fact that, as part of discussions, Zelensky was talking about blowing up oil pipelines mm. because it's you know it would be good for good for Ukraine it would be good for good for Ukraine and bad for our enemies um, yeah that's not this is why I, th- I think this is um I'm starting to think more and more that these leaks are a workaround they're the US having information leaked in quotes over there mm-hmm. so that it looks like it's coming from others if you yeah. look at the headline the Washington Post headline about this this leak um this title Zelensky commas in private, plots bold attacks inside Russia, comma, leak shows. Mm-hmm. The subheadline, the Discord leaks, like it's a, it's a thing, right? Right. Well, why the hell didn't we hear about this in, in, when it first came out? I think... There are hundreds of pages of documents. Right, and the Washington Post is judiciously... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe that at all. Washington Post is basically a CIA post. So this is the CIA. This is my take on This is the CIA mm-hmm. saying... These are the kind of things we're thinking of doing. Yeah, blowing up that pipeline to get Hungary to behave, right. just as we did in Nord Stream. Right. So it's a workaround, and then they have Zelensky's face, you know, the, like it's all pinning on it. in on him. He's such a useful avatar now for everything: mm-hmm. money laundering, CIA schemes. It's <laughs> because otherwise, otherwise, what you have to square that with this is the Washington Post being honest and truthful. Mm-hmm. Just spon- well, spontaneously wants everyone to know how mad that Zelensky is. That Zelensky, they're funding. Uh, yeah, except on the on the idea that it's actually actually the CIA or the US State Department who's who's coming up with these ideas, and obviously they they blew up Nord Stream one and two, the CIA, in in collaboration with their with their NATO friends and stuff, but. Um, Anything Zelensky comes out comes up with, or anything Ukraine is said to be planning to do or thinking about doing, that is by definition American as well. I mean, Ukraine isn't doing anything at this point that isn't 
more or less rubber stamped or even, you know, kind of fabricated or made up, I thought of by um, by someone in Washington, D.C. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So in that sense, of course, you know, you need to know that to read to read that into that. But when you hear that Zelensky was talking about blowing up a pipeline, well, yeah, I mean, if it happened, then it would have happened with the approval of the U.S. State Department and the CIA, you know. And then he, this week he was flying around just talking about that little, that little cokehead. Um, he's flying around Europe, um, interesting, out of the country. Yeah, again. Again, when attacks occur on, you know, escalation of attacks. Like yeah. last week it was a, the, the, the drone attack on the, the Kremlin. Kremlin. And then this week, uh, shooting down four Russian aircraft uh, over Russia. Zelensky's nowhere to be seen, <laughs> at least in Ukraine. Where is he? He's doing a tour of Europe, drumming up support. At the Vatican. And he's at the Vatican. He was in Germany today as well. He left the Vatican went, yesterday, I think, and went to Germany. But in the Vatican, look what he presented the Pope with. The Pope is praying for peace, but here's what he presented the Pope with. Body armor with the image of the Virgin Mary. Right. Uh, so it was a bulletproof vest used by a Ukrainian soldier, which was later painted with the image of the Virgin Mary. He <laughs> said, here you go, Francie. This will be right up your street. I know you're talking about peace and all that kind of stuff, but look, does this not stir some kind of bloodlust within you? Is it meant to look blood spattered? Because uh, it does. Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. You get freaks. Yeah, that's what he presented the Pope. It's like, you know, it's like a nice mixture. It's, he's got a gift for everybody for every occasion, you know, whoever, yeah. tailored to each person. And this one, obviously the Pope, it's like, I know you're all about peace and stuff, but couldn't you get a bit kind of militant? Couldn't you, couldn't you be a bit kind of... Couldn't you say, give us some more stronger words like call the Russians bloody, brutal barbarians destroying, you know, Ukrainian manhood? I mean, couldn't you do that? I mean, look again at the at the gift I just gave you. Um, it's the Virgin Mary. She's on board with it. Yeah. So why aren't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, Turkey. Go to Turkey. Yeah, then he met Maloney and she, oh yeah. God, what a turncoat she turned out to be. Um, and now, yeah, he's in Germany. Faffing around Germany and then he'll be back to Ukraine. Um, Turkey, yeah. No, I just, I just point out, we can't tell. I mean, uh, election day is today in Turkey. Um, polls and media chatter about it, that's going to be very close. Except Western media covering of it is I'm surprised they're by that. apoplectic with the possibility. They're salivating, at least the establishment media in the West is salivating at the idea that er- er- Erdogan will be out. Yeah, which because tells you that they want him out. He's an evil dictator, right? Yeah. And they have to tolerate him because he's a mem- Turkey's a member of NATO and stuff. But, I mean, this from back in, uh, it's from the Wash- New York Times, and it was in 2020. Um, this is Biden saying... To a reporter, I was reporting the New York Times, yeah, I spent a lot of time with him, Erdogan. He's an autocrat. He's the president of Turkey and a lot more. What I think we should be doing is taking a very different approach to him now, making it clear that we support opposition leadership. He has a price to pay. Um, and he goes on to say that we, um, we need to embolden the opposition to be able to take on and defeat Erdogan. That's three years ago. That's Biden three years ago making it pretty clear what the... Uh, don't forget that in 2016, they tried to oust him in a coup and kill him, supposedly. Yeah. And Erdogan's uh, opposition, who is another, he's not some young, you know, virile, um, 
you know, fresh face, Im- fresh faced image of a of of a new Turkey, a new liberal, youthful, woke Turkey. Right? He's seventy six, I think. People are calling him Papi, Grand Grandpa, shouting Grandpa at him and stuff as a ter- as a term of endearment. Uh, and he, but he's pretty clear. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's opposition, so he has to be the opposite of what uh, Erdogan is all about. And this is from the Wall Street um, Journal today. Or not today, in the last few days. Turkey's top election challenger pledges closer ties to NATO and the EU. So he said he will, yeah. Um, and he has also recently threatened Russia, saying you better stop. You know, we know the Russians are involved in spreading memes and disinformation about this election. You better stop it, blah, 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 blah. So he's the West man. And, you know, um, he's probably been funded and supported in whatever way they can um, by the by the West, by Washington. Um, and they want Erdogan out because Erdogan ultimately is a populist. Um, and that's what they don't like about him. And Erdogan is been very clear that, you know, he wants to balance the interests of everybody in the region. He's very much, when his talking points, he's very much in the same, in line with uh, Russian and Chinese worldview, which is basically multipolarity, balance of interests, everybody gets a fair share and everybody is happier and better off as a result. Of course, America doesn't see it that way because, you know, and rightfully so, if uh, everybody else, a lot of other countries around the world started getting a fair share, America would have to take a, take a cut and... That might be a a fatal cut for America, given the way that it's positioned itself economically. Um, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, if it's close, it goes to the second <coughs> round. Right. Um, it's, it's an interesting divide because it's basically bringing to the fore in Turkey the same kind of um, overall left-right divide you have in the West. Right. Because this other guy is he harkens back to secular Turkey. Right. Um, tends to be lefty, liberal, um, pro-West. Um, it's interesting how they both wrapped up their their last photo op. Erdogan goes to the Sofia Hagia Mosque in Istanbul for prayers, where he's you know turns into a political rally basically, and the other guy goes to like commemoration of the birthplace of Kemal Ataturk, right, the founder Kurds. of. Secular socialist. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... Ter- just just so, here's a headline. <laughs> Couldn't be any clearer. This isn't Erdogan just me- messaging either. He's telling his supporters, quote, Biden is trying to topple me. Yeah. So he's can, he's pretty sure he's going to win and that that will be a response to Biden too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, what about COVID then? Um, <laughs> what about the COVID, Neil? What about it? Do you not remember? No, that's that's ancient history. That's now. ancient history now. You just let sleeping dogs lie. Um, Don't mention th- the COVID. There's a clip from something else Biden said this week. It's it's just an aside. I'm not even going to play it. <clears throat> but he promised serious problems to the whole world if the U.S. defaults on its public debt. Mm-hmm. The thing is, people are that, people are po- reposting that going, you know. Um, uh, well, I, there's different. It, they, they have different takes on it, but the thing is, it's essentially true. I think everyone around him in Washington, in the know, knows this. This is why this is what gives them their swagger and their confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there can't be 
this is an impossible solution problem, and they know it, and and they will they will um, capitalize, no pun intended, on the fact of it. It's like the Samson option, only there's no nukes involved here. This is financial collapse. It's not just other countries band, cannot band together and just say we're taking down the dollar. They would need the dollar to come down gradually. Mm-hmm. And the Americans are like, no, we're going to just keep printing and printing. And yeah. printing. Um, we're gonna, yeah, well, uh, the media has been all over that, that statement. I mean, it has, and, and obviously Biden said it, and he's got it directly from, from his intel chiefs. But Biden doesn't come up with an original thought himself, right? Because he can barely string a sentence together, right? So it's, it's, when you say Biden said this, it's the intel agencies and uh, Washington, D.C., deep state who said this. Like, um, it's, it's just an example from CBC, but it's... Uh, um, this again, Avril Haines, this Avril Haines woman, um, uh, who again she was she was on that the senator was addressing her. She's the director of national intelligence, and she was uh, addressing the senator was dr- addressing her. about what we're going to do about these other countries, Russia, or sorry, China in particular, uh, brokering peace around the world? What a horrible idea! How are we going to stop that? And she was also front and center in the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story and the cronyism and the corruption amongst the. Uh, Biden family, and here she is um, saying that uh, Russia and China will be, we cannot let uh, debt default happen, i.e. the fact that America is living massively, has been for a long time, way beyond its means and has massive debt and can't support that debt except through war and conflict. Uh, we need to, uh, rather than actually tighten our belts and you know, adopt some kind of pragmatic and responsible fiscal policy uh, and stop spending so much, um, stop creating chaos around the world. We need to approve the, you know, increase the debt ceiling, keep printing the money, go into further debt, because if you don't, Russia and China are going to uh, exploit it. And in fact, they may actually be responsible for our debt. I think Russia and China have actually been, like, putting zeros on the end of our, end of, end of our debt, debt numbers, possibly. They hacked into the Treasury Department and added a lot of zeros onto our national debt. Um, that, yeah. that, so it's Russia and China. I mean, maybe, that may going, be a headline in the next year or two. Anything that's yeah, anything that's going wrong with America is Russia and China, right? Because like, America is just so awesome yeah. and amazing. If you look at it, everything going on in America is is, is wonderful. America is a wonderful society. It's it's impeccable. There's, I mean, their 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 value system and, and the way they live their lives and the way Americans live their lives and their you know their outlook in the world and, and how informed the population is. It's just so awesome. They're like a shining city on a hill, you know? So anything that bad that's happening in America must be an attack right. by our enemies, right? And I they've mean, been doing this for a while. That's what Russiagate forever. Was. Russiagate is, is um, paranoid response to the growing self-awareness that there's chaos in our country. Right, it's coming from without. Right, yeah. That's and that's it's kind of like an insane person. It's an extremely deluded slash insane person who engages in that and double downs on, doubles down on it every time. America is like in a really bad state, you know. I mean, every country has their problems, but America, from just from its from the perception of the American leadership and the American elite and political elite, the, most of them and as represented uh, by to the people by the media, and then. How, the, the way in which the media attempt to in, in impose or encourage that delusion amongst the population, America stands alone as being in a really bad situation, you know. And it's and it's happening in a way that, you know, um, 
it's an illusion. So they can, as long as they can keep that illusion going, the rot happening behind the scenes yeah. can be covered up. But at a certain point, it gets too much to cover up anymore, and suddenly the whole thing collapses very quickly. But right. they, and it's worse, you know. You know what I mean? If if your life is going down the toilet, but you had the means to pretend it wasn't to everybody else and yourself, then you're just going to continue down that slippery, dark slope to your life being a real complete shit show. But you're somehow you're you're able to keep keep up appearances until one day there is a threshold. The current the curtain is pulled back, and the contrast between what you've said you are and what people now see that you ha- are and have been for quite a long time is just so shocking. It's like it 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 can't sustain itself. It it falls apart. There's 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 just collapse. You know. There was a clip you played earlier um, about was that a U.S. senator or yeah. a representative um, going? What are we doing about China yeah, yeah, making I, peace that deals? Was, that was Senator uh, Abra Haines to the Director of National Intelligence. Right. Um, here's another clip. Um, clearly, the spooks are having words with senators and representatives on a daily basis because they keep slipping out. Grand schemes and where they want where, of where they want to go next. This is um, from this week. U.S. House of Reps uh, Seth Moulton. Have a listen to what he said at some think tank. Very clear to the Chinese that if you invade Taiwan, we're going to blow up TSMC. I just throw that out not because that's necessarily the best strategy, but because it's an example <laughs> no, of no, 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 no. this out there. And of course, the, Ta- the Taiwanese really don't like this idea. I'm not blowing up TSMC. If you do that, you have a two trillion dollar economic impact on the global economy within yeah. the first year, and a, you'd put manufacturing around the world at a standstill. I mean, it, this would be this is a terrible. That's yeah. exactly why they would do it. <laughs> well, I don't think they. I don't think they will. But it could. You know, I don't think it'll go that far. But but it means he's been party to conversations where that's it's entertained. A, like that previous one, the previous clip you saw with uh, that female senator uh, talking to Avril Haines about how. What's funny about that, and that's another example of it, is how these senators and politicians are being fed this intelligence. Like in, in the case of that senator talking about China, she's fed all this intelligence from intelligence briefings that they all get because they don't know shit otherwise. Uh-huh. They're fed it by the intelligence agencies to say that, for example, China is brokering peace deals around the world. One example is China. One of our problems is China is, uh, is brokering peace deals around the world with with people that we want to keep at uh, at war with each other because that's good for America. And but China is going and trying to is successfully getting them to to come together and 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 establish diplomatic ties and, and and be friendly to each other um you know and that's what are we going to do about that as she's the senator yeah. says to the the director of national intelligence or any other cia or, or intel agency personage uh and the funny thing about it that is is that that question that that senator is posing to the intel director of national intelligence came from the director of national intelligence right. and people like her to the senator Formed it in the senator's mind right. for her, and then got she, a, a she me- loops it back, brings her back in, brings her into a meeting, and asks her a question. And the director of national intelligence says, "That's a very good question, mainly because I'm the one who actually came up with it and told you more or less to ask me that question so I could opine on it." Thanks but very much. But not only that, she and other spooks then go back to their secure offices, um, and they come up with things like. Let's blow up Nord Stream. No, because we I think th- we Congress is demanding we do something about the situation. Exactly, but I think, but that's that's the problem. We're having to push back against that because they feed this information, this kind of like parade of horribles, dire situation, which is ridiculous. You know, for example, 
what are we going to do about people having, having, you know, making peace with each other in the Middle East? That's horrible. What are we going to do about it? They, f- they feed that information to them and then to the senators, the politicians, and they get all worked up about it. They say, okay, well, we're, the, we're, we're Congress. We're the Senate. We gotta do, we're the real power in this country, aren't we? Right? Everybody, aren't we the real power in this country? Yeah, yeah. Did you come up with that question yourself, that problem yourself? Well, no, I got it from the intel agencies. But anyway, we got to do something about it because they're the one, that's how it works, right? The intel agencies gather the intelligence, give it to us, and we decide what action to take on it, right? So we then bring the intel agency back in that just give me this information to ask her what we're going to do about the information. <laughs> when the intel agency already has decided they know what they're going to do about yeah. it because they're the one who came up with the problem in the first place. So we're just a bunch of tools here. You know, uh, you know, just mouthpieces basically to to create the the appearance of of some kind of functioning democracy when it's actually the intel agencies that run it. And but the problem then is that these people puffed up with their own importance, like in Congress and in the Senate, they sit there and they think, well, we're the we're the deciders, right? We're the ones who run this country. So what are we going to do about it? Let's come up with ideas of well, maybe we should blow up blow up China or blow up Taiwan or blow up blow up something, right? Blow up the semiconductor factory in, in Taiwan. And the intelligence go, oh, hold on a fucking minute, you know what I mean? <laughs> you guys aren't equipped to do this. That's not your job. You're you're there just to ask us the questions that we fed to you, so that we can then talk on it. We can set set a policy or, or, or set set the, the tone. You know, you're not actually meant to come up with these ideas yourself because you're just it's like, it's like you're a bunch of kids basically coming up with crazy ideas about what you should do about it. And then we're in a position where we have to push back against you. Well, no, don't blow up. No, no, we won't be blowing up. I know you guys make the decisions and all that, but we won't be blowing up TSMC in Taiwan, okay? Uh, now, just wait for our next briefing and then you can ask us about that, okay? Right. Right. Um, <laughs> there's another domestic issue in the U.S. that's... Uh, it's ongoing, isn't it? The border crisis thing. Yeah. At the beginning of last week, there was a this incident in Brownsville, Texas, which is right on the border, right? Seven dead when a car ran over a bus stop, bus shelter with migrants in it. Um, did you see any follow-up from that? I mean, was that someone deliberately targeting migrants? don't know. But White supremacy. Uh, white supremacy, right. That's probably how it's been framed, but uh, the same week, Title 42 was lifted. This is a pre-pandemic no, pandemic era um, restriction that turned away many asylum seekers at the border. Well, it expired last week. Um, the whole, the right in the U.S. is like up in arms. Oh, my God, there's going to be an invasion. I don't know if numbers have increased of people attempting to get through. But in recent days, USA Today reports 1,500 active duty, active duty military troops have been deployed to the border as a backup for U.S. Customs agents, mm-hmm. joining roughly 24,000 law enforcement officers and 2,500 National Guard troops already there. Um, this, I don't know where, where this is going to go, but this is where, again, is he fed this? This is a senator, okay, demanding a solution from... I think she's the head of some agency. Um, it sounds to me like he's all but calling for a, quote, special military operation in Mexico. Um, John Kennedy, he's no relation to the other candidates. If President Lopez Obrador invited the American military and our law enforcement personnel to come into Mexico and work with his, we could stop the cartels, couldn't we? I believe, Senator, that we can stop the cartels. Okay. Have you made that suggestion to President Biden? If I could, I believe that we can stop the cartels by... Have you made that suggestion to President Biden? Senator, I have been very vocal 
in the whole of government setting on the importance of fentanyl and all of us using every single effort and authority that we Why have. hasn't President Biden done it? I mean, th this is the way the American people whose sons and daughters are dying look at it. Our economy is $23 trillion. Mexico's economy is $1.3 trillion. Ours is 18 times bigger. We buy $400 billion every year from Mexico. Without the people of America, Mexico, figuratively speaking, would be eating cat food out of a can and living in a tent behind an outback. So why don't you and the president, embarrassing no one, get on the phone and call President Lopez Obrador and make him a deal he can't refuse to allow our military and our law enforcement officials to go into Mexico and work with his to stop the cartels. Why don't you do that? Senator, what I am doing every single day is working with the incredible men and women of DEA who are risking their lives. He should read what he called his book on uh, CIA drug, drug running. And then he'd know, know the answer. An offer they can't refuse. Yes, That's yeah. literally a mafia line. Yeah. Well, it's obvious. Like, I mean, these people are all They're talking. They're going to end up with the whole world hating these, 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 Yeah. Well, it's going that direction already, but these people don't know. I mean, obviously, congressmen, Congress, members of Congress, members of the Senate, uh, DEA, different government enforcement agencies, they, they don't really have a, a control over the situation. They don't know. They don't have the power to do anything about it. Clearly, they just talk about it and then nothing happens. Why? Nobody knows. Because someone else is pulling the strings, obviously. And you're just a bunch of puppets, really, you know. So anyway, uh, that's the state of the world. They finally nabbed Khan in Pakistan. Yeah. Well, uh, that's ongoing. They might kill him, but who knows? That was, that was intense, wasn't it? That's, He's that's already been ordered released by the Supreme Court because yeah. the arrest was, quote, illegal. But it's, it's incredibly how sharp and crystal clear the division in Pakistan is now. Well, I mean, people to... there talk about a deep state. And Khan is their man. He's their Trump, you know, yeah. versus the, the military intelligence which is, establishment. Which is aligned, aligned, heavily aligned with, Amer with the Americans. Yeah, you've explained it on, on other recent shows, I know. Um, can my God, just one year. But they tried to kill him last year. They tried to kill him. The, yeah. Um, well, one year ago this month, um, he said that Khan, then still prime minister, said the country was ruled by traitors, installed by a foreign conspiracy plotted in the United States. Yeah, He's wrote all this out in been tweets. Been aware for a long time. Um, a deep state that is basically a CIA creation, a Pakistani deep state that's a CIA creation, has been for a long time. Goes way back, like to. Uh, the Mujahideen and the fight in the Soviets, you know, and it's it's it. Some things never change, you know. Back then, the the CIA the CIA created deep state in Pakistan uh, was set up uh, in the context of um, of the Soviet Soviets in Afghanistan, pushing the Soviets out of Afghanistan and funding the Mujahideen. And the reason that Khan is a threat to appears to be a threat to the Pakistani deep state today is for the very same reason. It's a, Largely to do, largely the same reason, in, in the sense of the the global balance of power and which way Pakistan goes, whether it aligns with the West, stays aligned with the West, or is aligns with Russia and China. Uh, so it's it's the same game that they were playing same, forty same. five, fifty years ago. Exactly the same game. Turkey, and, and, Pakistan, right, and Kansas, Russia, Iran, right. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So some things never change. It's sad, but there you go. Um, maybe one day people will wake up. But for now, 
for now? For now, we're going to leave it because okay. I've done all the waking up I can do. I'm going to go back to sleep. Uh, yeah, so we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Thank you for watching, listening. Hope you enjoyed the show and for commenting, of course. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back next week with another one. So until then, have a good one. See you later. Thanks for watching. Bye, all. Can't stop the signal now. Mm-hmm.